Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. The idea of helping mom or dad move to a senior living community brings up a lot of emotions. You want to be supportive, but it's getting harder and harder by the day. Lately, it feels like you're always concerned about mom or dad's safety. You're constantly stopping by to help out with household chores. You're spending more time as caregiver than son or daughter. It's a reality many adults face as their parents get older. If you're at that point, we can help. At the Good Samaritan Society, we work hard to help each of our residents feel loved, valued, and at peace every day. It's our mission, and we embrace it with a passion. It's possible your mom or dad may not be ready for that kind of move, but for many people, that time has come, and it's okay to ask for help. To learn more about how we can help you, call the Good Samaritan Society at 855-GOOD-SAM or visit good-sam.com. That's good-sam.com. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Cole.
So if I was a stripper at that time, I think I would have had to throw money at the audience. You would have been the house mother. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what do they? What does the house mother stripper do? Uh, at that time, a house mother was just a chick was that was in charge of the, all the girls. You know. Oh, I would have loved that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you make any friends? Any stripper friends? I didn't. I. They didn't have a pole then, did they? There was not a pole. Okay, then. go. Uh, and uh, uh, so I met the comedian. I did. I had a few stripper friends, but they at that time it's stripping wasn't like it is today. Where right. People are trying to get their you know PhD. Right, right, in right, Psychology right, right. as right, they're right. earning money to go to school. And, right. In those days, a majority of those girls were biker chicks. This right. was a rough fucking crowd. Did you have the best body? No, no. Really? But no, no. Were they nice to you? Like when you were the new stripper, were they like, oh, this fucking bitches I'd have to say that I kept to myself because they literally were biker chicks. Right. And I, in fact, I had. Were there lesbos? Yes. The one friend that I had was a lesbian. And I think she's actually bi. And. Ugh, annoying. You know. And it's I, like, just pick. All right. All right. It was go. the first person I right. ever remember in life meeting right. that was uh, bi. And, yeah. and I remember thinking, uh, and do you like me? And for the listeners, I'm kidding. I, this is go ahead. I'm yeah. And I was like, do you, do you think I'm sexy? Yeah. She's like, yeah, you're not my type. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, so I was in from the beginning. Right. But uh, so I'd done a lot of contests. And then finally, the management came to me at the Peppermint Lounge and said, you can't do any more contests. You have to work here. And so, I, uh, you know, up until that point. So how much would you make at a contest? You would make like five hundred dollars. Can you? This is fucking Reagan that, era money. And that is like, Reagan yeah, era money. the eighties. That's like awesome. Was it all cash? Cash. And fucking that, a. that was just the amount you won, and then you would get your tip. So it's oh, probably God. six, seven hundred dollars. That can wow. you imagine a growing up on welfare with this whole thing? So for me, it was like I'm fucking right. sucking, you know, yeah. the devil's penis at this right. point. Like I don't care. Did I'm you have in. to suck any cock at the? No, no. All no, right, no, good. No. But I remember when I was uh, hired, and uh, and I had to go downstairs, uh, and the manager I'd get downstairs and go get dressed, and uh, and I had never been to the dressing room because was the I'd manager always, a guy? Yes, I'd always been, uh, yeah. you know, doing the contest. So it was separate from then actually meeting the real strippers. And as I was walking downstairs, I could hear a scuffling going on. And I peek around the corner and these these two biker chicks beating Be- the oh, shit God. out of someone who was uh, not as fresh faced as me, but not, you know what I mean? Not like them. And uh, and that was like, yeah, this can only be a short plan. little hobby, a little hobby. Um, I, that's funny. Your boss is like, go downstairs and get dressed and then come to my office. It was, you know what? I'd have to say I didn't have that experience. Right. All right. So you meet Alan Stevens. Uh-huh. And what does he do? He comes up to you. He's like. No, I didn't meet him in a strip team. Oh, all right. No, no, this is someone else. I uh, became a comedian or I was trying to become a comedian. By the way, I guess who was one of my first comedy friends? Who? Roseanne Barr. No fucking way. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, you got to go to L.A., get away from this asshole. Okay. Wait, so so you met this comic. I met this comic, started doing comedy. But who's not a well-known comic or? No. Okay. And uh, I'll tell you off uh, mic later. I don't know. You probably wouldn't know. All right. And then uh, I decided I got to met a lot of other comics. And they were like, you should go to L.A. You would kill it in L.A. And then I went to L.A. and I worked at the Jet Strip during the day to make money so I could work doing comedy at night. Right. 
and and that's where I met my oldest friend, Jewel Shepard. She's a B movie actress, Jewel Shepard. Oh. And she was an amazing stripper. God, she was an amazing stripper. And I had no balance. I and I can't dance. I'm like right. the worst stripper. I can right. bullshit at the bar. I'm like right. that chick, you know. So wait uh, a minute. So. How did this guy convince you to do that you were funny and to do stand up? Well, we were just dating and he took me to go to the comedy works and there was in Denver. In Denver and there was a girl I haven't worked there in fucking forever. I know, I know. What they're, is that? They're just bringing in, you know, the, you know, don't make me say it, the youngins. Uh, <laughs> it's so annoying. It's so annoying. It's a great club, great club. I know. And I went to the comedy works and there was a girl on stage and she was bombing and I uh Who? I don't. I, some right, girl, go. I don't know. And uh, so I'd had was pretty drunk, and I and I said to him, "I could do that." And he was like, "You can't do that. Shaking your tits and telling a joke, you're full of shit." And so we made. He dared me, and that's how I got on stage. I got. I started doing stand up on a dare as well. Oh, good. good. Um, all right. So you get on stage mm-hmm. the first time. Is it a different powerful feeling than it's completely than different. when yeah. you took your shirt off yeah. and thought, okay. Yeah. What, I, I have to tell you that when I stripped, I never did drugs. I never drank. I did because I thought I made, uh, remember when we were kids and there was this movie, uh, uh, got Helen, the blonde-haired actress that Helen. W- uh, that was in Paul Reiser's show, Helen. Oh, Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt was a child, a teenage actress, uh-huh. and it was about her, uh, uh, you know, uh, slide into drug addiction. Right, right, right. Remember? I don't yes. know if you remember Was it that. an after-school yes, special? Yes. That, Your fucking life should be an after-school special. Uh, All right, anyway, go ahead. but that after-school special right. informed me years later as a stripper like I should never do drugs right. I should never drink while I'm doing this I have right. to, you know what I mean I should always have my wits about right, right, right. seeing a chick get beat up I should always have my wits right, about right, right. doing comedy for the first time and after that I was like mama needs a cocktail right 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 <laughs> right stripping your body naked is nothing compared to stripping your soul naked. Right. And it was so scary. and But empowering. In, empowering now, in a different way. Empowering in a different like, way. Because when you get that first laugh. Oh, yeah. It oh, is yeah. so fucking addicting. And I, so he took me to, he had a one-nighter on a Monday night at some rock and roll club. He actually, uh, the, the saving grace of this gentleman was that he had someone bring my mother. I didn't even know she was in the crowd. No. And I was so nervous and I was drinking like a fish and uh, you will uh, attest to this. The comedians were so nice to me. That never happens. Right, right, right. right. And I was kind of freaking out backstage. Right. right? And in my mind, I'm just going to do it so I can show that motherfucker right. that I could do whatever I right. want to do. Right. I didn't think I was ever going to do comedy. Right. Uh, beyond that. And the other comics were so kind hearted and they had me write down my, you know, name each joke and write right. down a list. Before the show, they went and taped it on the floor. Right, right. And it was that whole thing. And I went on uh, and I killed Killed, like, and I was like, "Whoa!" I know, right? But after that, for two years, I couldn't buy a laugh. Right? <laughs> but it's that it's first, the first time, time that gets you, right? right? Yeah. And yeah. then you go on, you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, um, yeah. For two years after that. So, and your mother was there, and My you had no idea there. before no, you went on. I had no Did idea. Did you see her from I the saw audience? Her from the audience, and it didn't throw you. It didn't. Th- it didn't throw me, and I, it was to see her. Laugh her ass off in her wheelchair, and it was a rock and roll club. Right, you know what right, I mean? right, She's right. the only old lady in a wheelchair, right, right, right? right? And to look around in awe that people were laughing, and I, 
wish my father could have seen. Right, right. Could have seen that moment that we had together, you know. Wow. And that was a tremendous, tremendous moment. And that's when I really understood that it's comedy that I am going to be doing. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So you do this one. Uh-huh. And then are you just working in Colorado? I was working in Colorado and I was living with that guy who had a lot of pool uh, at that time, mm-hmm. you know, how comics are. And then we broke up and he was like, yeah, yeah we're going to work in this state again. I was like, fuck you. I'm out of here. And I right. went to L.A. And right. I started. How'd you meet Roseanne? Well, she's from Colorado. Well, she was but yeah. a comedian that right, I met right. in Colorado. And uh, in fact, when Roseanne came out to L.A. to showcase, she stayed at my house. Wow. When she, yeah, when she became a regular at the comedy store in The Tonight Show, right. she stayed at my house. That's amazing. Yeah, Do you still crazy. talk to her? You know what? We're not. Uh, we're totally friendly when right. we're around each other. It's. I. I'd have to say. Uh, uh, it was such a gift to, as a young comedian, to have a friend who skyrocketed out right, of fucking right. nowhere. Right. Because I. I. So many people. When that happens to someone, when they get fame so right. fast, and people are on them like fucking leeches. Right. And I. We went out once to get a fat burger, and this is about mm. six months after she had uh, done the tonight because she literally became a regular at the comedy store and got the tonight show right, i right. think all in one week i mean right. it was tremendous and six months later we were hanging out and she, she was getting a fat burger and the show was uh, starting to be in talks about you know writers and all that right. and she was like felicia everyone is leeching off me i don't even know who my friends are right anymore. right right and at that point i thought to myself you know what? i'm never going to be that person to her right you know and so our past kind of went different ways obviously and uh uh but when we see each other, big hugs, it's all did, have you, cool. did you ever do the show? No, no, uh-uh, no, no. Our lives went completely different ways. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, I also moved to New York. So that I was... feel like I wish, you know, like I, I love that Roseanne was like these people. I don't know what, you know, who, who's my friend and who's not. Right. I've never had that experience of people leeching on me. I, I'd like to. Just yeah. for 10 minutes. Just for a year. Yeah. Just for a year. year. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I just moved. I know. How is that? It's. Who got you that apartment? You did. Wait, do you like it better even though it's smaller? I love it. I love it. Really? So much more. We bought a loft bed frame that's sort of, it's not completely high up, but it's not low. So we can hang oh, clothes so you, underneath yeah, and yeah. store stuff. We had to get rid of our queen bed, though. So what do you have? So we have, we have nothing right now. We've got a floorboard basically that we're laying on with um, uh, blankets. Get one of those Lisa beds. Well, that's why I'm really excited that why? our sponsor is Lisa, because I was reading about them today. The materials they use. Do you know how much like crazy chemicals are in our beds yes, and in our duh. beds and st- I. That's why people get allergic to crap when they're in bed. Yeah. But my, you know, this Lisa thing, I, you know, I have to say, I went, you know how, like, when I work in Florida and they give me a hotel, yeah. but we stay with the Lisa's aunt and uncle instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, I went over there a couple weeks ago and she had this new bed frame and a new bed in the guest room. And I'm like, oh, that looks like really comfortable. And she said, oh, it came in a box it was delivered to the door. You take it out. It pops open. It was a Lisa bed. It was, it's such a good bed. It's made out of this natural fiber material. Just stiff enough, just soft enough. The human spine is, does not differ that much. From what is with you? What did you look this crap up? Yes. Oh, I'm you're a out of your mind. about this stuff. 
our spines are not completely oh, formed God. yet, but all of them, like, we Do you know how many people that... just shut off the podcast about the spinal? I mean... I have slept in a lot of beds because I travel and I'm a slut. No, no, that bed is really cute. It's really good because it forms to your, you know, your body type. And like a lot of those beds make you really hot and it doesn't, it like this one, for some reason you can't, it doesn't, it keeps you cool. It's the materials that they use. Because it's it's all natural. natural materials. I hate shopping for beds. You go to the dumb sleeping store. Oh, please. And this was started by humanitarians, like people that really give a shit about other human animals. Well, let me just say something. And it's like, they're like, yeah, this is on sale. And then you go sit in the chair. It's exactly like a car. It is exactly, you sit in the chair. They're like, well, you know, you got to get this and that. Shut up. This bed is great. And they just drop it off at your doorstep. And I've read so many reviews on their Facebook page by people that love them that have been like, my back pain, my neck pain has been disappearing day by day. Okay. Are they giving a discount? Because otherwise... Yes! 75 bucks. Oh, that's good. 75 bucks How off. Do they, what do you do? Go to lisa.com, mm-hmm. L-E-E-S-A. It's L-E-E-S-A. I, Lisa. Right, Lisa, not like the name. Right. So you go to lisa.com slash gold. Because my name is Judy Gold. Right, right, right. right. And um, that's what this bed is worth. And you get 75 bucks off. Oh, that was funny. It's a flat rate. It's so easy to order. I can't wait to get ours. Um, And I'm going to post a picture of it on my loft Please don't post you without clothes on, okay? Because I can't. I mean... Uh, write me at uh, Judy's assistant no, at gmail.com and let me know if you want me to post. All right, so I'm going to get a Lisa bed, too. Use code GOLD, 75 bucks off. That's right, baby. All right, so then you're in L.A. I'm in L.A. You're doing the store. You're doing... I what for, year is this? Probably 19... I became a regular at the comedy store in 1985-ish. Right, yeah. okay. Uh-huh. And yeah. you're young? Young, super young. I might have been 21, 22. Right, okay. Yeah. And everything's awesome. going great. Awesome, awesome experience. You did, uh, did you do any TV at that time? Well, or? I, uh, uh, because I started in that era, and you will, as you did, it, attest to this, uh, you know, when you're that young and you're around some of the most amazing comedians mm-hmm. that are changing the landscape of mm-hmm. comedy. And the comedy store was a very uh, aggressive place to do comedy. Like the improv was like, we're all this, we're all the really smart, right. you know, college graduated comedians right, kind of, right, right. you know, went to, and they all wore ponytails and had right. an earring and, and a jacket. And, right. But at the comedy store, it was like, raw. it was raw. Yeah. And being at the age of 21, when the average, let's say, and I could be off a few years, the average audience member is probably 30. If you're going to average everyone, I would say early 30s. Early 30s. What what can you talk about, especially as a woman, in that point that you can have in common with this much older, uh, somewhat educated audience? Right. What do you have in common? Right. Well, guess what? I was a stripper. I don't give a fuck about sex. Right. I can talk about sex. Right. So my comedy became very aggressive sexually. Right. And I was, uh, which was great at the comedy store because all the guys were doing it. Right. But I, uh, it was in some sense harder for me in the long run uh, uh, because... I was looked down upon by other comedians by outside the comedy store, but mostly female comics. No, no, by a lot of guys too. Outside the comedy store, in the comedy store, those were my bro bros. Right, you know right, what I mean? right, but right. Outside the comedy store, yeah. 
So it's unbelievable. You know, when I, I mean, I, at that time in during stand up, you know, no one did that. No women. No women. You look at, you know, I remember I used to dress. You dress down. Like, look at what Paula wore and right, Carol right, Leifer right. and, and Kathy Ladman and, you know, all these you just were never sexual. It was like this unspoken rule for female comics that you could not be sexual and funny. Well, and I didn't, I can't say I really dressed up a lot doing comedy then because to me, to wear high heels doing comedy, now right. I can do yeah, it. Yeah, but you're so hot and sexy. Well, and you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily, but I wasn't, okay. I wasn't, I didn't look like everybody else. Right. I could say and that. you didn't talk like everybody else. And I had a really high voice. And, right. You know what I mean? Thank God for all, like I said, all the whiskey and weed I've been smoking and drinking. God damn it. Such yeah. a, such a really good decision. But what a great time to have been in comedy. Oh my God. It was like... Yeah. I remember I could do sets. I could do so many sets a week. I yeah. would go. I was living in New York, but I would go to happy hours, street fairs. Yeah. I'd go yeah. anywhere. And such a lesson to learn to be 21 and at the comedy store to see like on a Tuesday night, Richard Pryor right. come in and eat a big piece of shit. Right. And to see him work his material by Friday night. Right. Uh, being able to work that material like butter. Right. I mean, it was a tremendous lesson. Yeah. Again, which because I can't, you're fucking unbelievable. So, ah, uh, so kind of you. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, so you are working. You know, doing it's. We're now in the late eighties. Um, you're yeah, doing stand up, uh, and you start getting some shit. Like we all, I think at this that time. I mean, I was starting to get. Evening at the Improv, Caroline's right. Comedy Hour, right. VH1 Stand Up Spotlight, you know, all those, right. Arsenio, you right. know. It turned around for me in the most unbelievable way. Uh, because I was so dirty, I didn't get a lot of opportunity like that because comedy had to, you, you know, you had to vet it when you went on a TV right, show. Right, 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 right. You couldn't say boob, you couldn't say bruh, you know, so right. I, uh, but then. Uh, did anyone, did any club owner, did any comics, did any agents, managers say you can't be so dirty? Everyone. Everyone. That's like I got, Everyone. you can't be so Jewish. I'm I, like, what the fuck? You want me to be right, you know? everyone, especially in LA. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, at the time, yeah. So, you, yeah. and everyone. what were you thinking? Well, I remember having a conversation with Jimmy Brogan. There's two stories I want to tell you. Okay, number one, Jimmy is, Brogan, by the way, booked the t the comics the, on the Tonight Show. The Tonight Show, and I would say, Jimmy, how come you never look even look at me to you know showcase me or anything for the Tonight Show? You know, I have material that's not really that dirty, and and he goes, yeah, but it's a little bit dirty and. Uh, Filthy comedy is, uh, how do you say that? He was like, oh, you know, you could always, no matter how little the, the dirty or the filthy it is, you can always taste that. And I said to him, uh, it's like garlic in a soup. No matter how small the amount of garlic in the soup, you can always taste the garlic. That's how he said to me. And I said, yeah, but if you don't have any garlic, then it's just bland. Never right. did the Tonight Show. Oh, my <laughs> Never God. Never did the Tonight Show. And, uh, and then I got so much shit from everybody and then uh like I, who, like everyone, who, everyone everyone i didn't give you shit did i ever give you shit 
no, but you weren't, you know, you weren't your own thing. You know, I can't say you were ever, ever mean to me. No, I can't say that. Say I'm not mean. Right. But, but we never had a great discussion about comedy, you know, because I'm sure at the time you would have said, stop talking about your pussy. And I would have said, get rid of the spit girl. Right. Yeah. But no, I don't think I would have ever. No, I don't. I don't. I think I was so focused on being a comic. I just wanted to be a great comic. And being a woman in comedy at that time, you had to be even more focused. Right. Right. You know, because there were so few of us. Right. Yeah. So then I went to go see Bill Hicks, the great Bill Hicks. Uh, And I used to have this joke about uh, uh, shaving my pussy. And, uh, you know, it's in the era of uh, Miami Vice. Right, right, right. You know, but then by five o'clock, you have Don Johnson pussy. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. And like, it was some <laughs> stupid ass joke, right? I and love those it, jokes. And All it right. used to kill. Right, 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 right. And I got so much shit. And I went to go see Bill Hicks. And. As I'm in the audience, it was a, another club out in the uh, like Ontario or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Bill Hicks does that joke verbatim. No fucking. You know, it's parallel thought. Parallel. Right. Obviously, I'm not calling him out or anything. Right. Just and I that changed that moment changed my life in comedy because it was like if I can fucking write. And at that time, people are already saying Bill Hicks was the next coming. You know, right, what I mean? right, right, right. If I can write a joke like Bill Hicks, right. I am on the fucking right path. And it's funny that he can say the joke and have and no I backlash. And I can't say the joke. Right. Yeah, yeah. Did he use John, Don Johnson? The the joke verbatim. Okay. The joke verbatim. He probably never even did that joke again. Right. It was not a, right, you know, right, right. It wasn't that great of right. a joke. But the idea that I could at least write a joke like the right, great Bill Hicks. Right, and think like him. Yeah. Then then it was at that time where I was like, fuck everybody. I right. just do what I do and don't right. worry about everybody else. And right. that was a big moment in my life, for sure. Okay. Um, when did you get your first sort of big break? Well, uh, from the unlikeliest of places, mm-hmm. by a little show at that time called Star Search. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I had not very much. It's clean so funny material. because that is the most milk toast show. Yes. Yeah, I know. And you fucking won. Well, you I were the won. grand fucking I champion. Won Star Search, yeah. Fucking unshit fuck go. I know. Well, the, well the, so who were you up against? Well, the thing is, when uh, did you ever do Star Search? No. Okay. Uh, I went against uh, Bob Zaney. Oh, yes, I remember. Leslie Norris. Right. But the thing about Star Search and how they filmed it in those days, did you ever do Star Search? No. You never did Star no. Search? No. Are you fucking kidding I me? never fucking did Star Search. I can't even believe I know. That. So you know at the time, like, because I was one of the last people right. to do Star Search. Right. At the time, everyone did Star Search. I know. And I never kept, did Star and, and Search. I, ne- I must have auditioned for it six times. And then finally, I got to do Star Search. And the way they filmed those is they did it in two chunks. So we, they would do a bunch of shows in the beginning of the year, and at the end of the year, they would do a bunch of shows. Right. Whoever won the most shows or was champing at the end of uh, the first chunk, then you would have to come at the end of the year and go against whoever became champion or semifinalist from that. So weirdly, because I had no clean, I literally had four minutes of clean material. Right. So weirdly, the chunk of, uh, I did the end uh, at the end of the year, no one had won consistently. So I did the second to the last regular show Mm -hmm. and I... uh, Who were you up against? I want to say maybe even... Someone like 
Greg Otto or Greg Hilbers. I, oh, yeah. I, but, yeah. but it was someone, either them or someone like that. So wait, and this is, so who had already won? Rosie had won? Rosie had won. She won she won the first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because this was like this, the year before, I think the following year they stopped doing it. Right, right, right. Like okay. That. It was the very end of Star Search. Okay. And so I uh, got into the semifinals. Leslie Norris, do you know, mm-hmm. remember Leslie? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the semifinalist from the first chunk. Right. And so it going after I did my one show or whatever and I got into the semifinals finals and believe me, my friend Alan Steen was like you better borrow some of my jokes right and then I was like I think I better borrow some of your <laughs> jokes but then the day of I was like if I by any chance win this people will never forgive that right. I had to borrow other right, people's right, right. jokes right so I was like no I can't do that I gotta do my own shitty jokes so then I uh, knew in the semifinals I would go against Leslie Norris Carrot Top mm-hmm. and Bob Zaney Right. And so that is who I went up against in the in the finals. So what what kind of jokes did you do? And you got to repeat your jokes. <laughs> That's so great. I know, I know. Miracle is a fucking right. miracle. And uh, uh, so the jokes were, I think, about my dad and my mom. I think, you know, um, my, my dad was very, I think this is one of the jokes. My dad was very macho when I was born and, and, and only thought macho men could only have boys directly related to him taking my brother and not me. Right, right, right. Uh, and, and when I was born, he told my mom, why don't you shove her back where she come from and my mom said well that would be pretty painful for you <laughs> that was like one of my only clean jokes and involved a penis that is penis. hilarious <laughs> so uh then i uh bob zaney went against carrot top right and uh you know and he did bro- I figured, props right i figured Car- carrot top would win with all those fucking props and th- what's so funny is i remember when uh right before we were going to shoot that bob and me were in the car his car somewhere going to the uh, set mm-hmm. and uh and he was like you know let's make a deal like no matter who wins it we'll all share the money and i was like no you fuck you daft? like i'm not gonna make that right, deal asshole. Right. <laughs> so wait like he would have given you the money right um, yeah right like i would be like was, yeah, did ed, ed mcmahon want to fuck you no because uh how that worked on set is uh, all the comedians and the child singers and everybody else were in this cafeteria style convention roomy style right. dressing room and Ed McMahon's was way on the other side in the private dressing rooms right. with uh, right next to the model spokespeople oh <laughs> isn't that yeah, special yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, such so a you, great experience you win you win Star Search. I had to go against Leslie, and Leslie is also very blonde and petite with a little bit of a high voice, mm-hmm. and she went up before me, and I went up, and I uh, said to her, after we both went up, because they wait till right. the end to announce, I said to her, you know, I, I want to say to you that, you know, we're very similar, and you went up first. I think you have the element of surprise. You're very funny. I think you won, and I want to be the first person to congratulate you and to be at that kind of a, in your 20s and to have that feeling is you don't know till you get there that right. you're going to feel that way right 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 you know but I was just so happy to be a part of it and I wanted to say congratulations and she looked at me she was a beauty contestant kind of chick and she right. looked at me with a big old shit eating grin she was from the south and she's like well it's all in God's hands now oh and I my god to myself fuck you bitch you I'm going to win this motherfucker <laughs> It's all like God. Yeah, God, like God is a yeah. 
fucking yeah. judge on Star yeah. Search. I can't stand that shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got, no, it's not. Yeah. God is doing other shit. If yeah, there is a God, he's not, he's not <laughs> yeah. fucking concerned with Star right, Search. Right. Okay? Yeah. But then, when I, right but then when I was announced that I won and I what? remember standing on stage and seeing all the judges right. and uh, and I remember doing my little, you know, yeah. wave and thinking to myself, if these people only fucking knew right. that five years ago I was showing my pussy for right. money. Right. They would blow their tops. Right. I would be out of here like you can't believe. That's right. why it was all very secretive. Right. So now and by the way, I want to say, in the later after I won, right. I was in the dressing room, and I could hear Leslie Norris crying in the dressing no room way. next to me, and I was all like, "Too bad, bitch! I'm drinking champagne. I guess your tears are in God's hands now." Um, who did you call first when you won? My mother. Oh, and what she said? Oh no, I didn't. That is incorrect because my mother had passed right before that. Oh, yeah, I didn't call anyone because I wasn't speaking with my father at that time. Right. It was all me, all alone. Yeah, which was awesome. Great experience. That completely turned my comedy career around. Wow. Became a headliner overnight. Right. So you start headlining. Uh huh. Um, you get a manager. Right. Right. All that. All um, that. did all those shows. Did everything start getting booked on, All you know, shows, sitcoms yeah. and... I, yeah, a li- yeah, yeah. I, I wrote a show... Uh and that got made into a pilot. Right. And uh, did all that. Development just, deals. I had uh, like five development I never deals. had a development Are deal. You fucking I fucking me? swear to God. That is just. If you knew the fucking rejection, never terrible. a development deal. I, I too tall, too Jewish. Too, now. Yeah, yeah. Too tall and too Jewish. I can't believe that. Uh, Not even a holding deal? Nothing. Wow. wow. Everyone had a holding deal. Yeah. Every yeah. person had a fucking holding yeah. deal. All right. So. Your manager, mm-hmm. uh, you get a manager uh-huh. who yeah. you start dating. And oh. have, d- d- that doesn't no, happen no, no, yet. No, that that happens happen after yet. you're very yeah, successful. Yeah, yeah, All right, yeah. so. I met my uh, future husband probably. Uh, How many years after Star Search? I actually met him because uh, I had won at the, uh, right before Christmas, but they I wasn't allowed to talk about it or say anything about it until the spring when they showed the, when they aired the show. Right. And I had a big Star Search party and I met my, that's where I met my uh, now ex-husband. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, did you start dating right from that viewing party? Pretty or much. You did? Pretty much, yeah. Um, so you're dating and you have another manager at this time. I had Rick Messina. Yes, uh, I remember. Oh, How is Rick Messina? I don't know. I haven't spoken to Rick Messina for a long time. Yeah. And then I went to a guy named Michael Rotenberg. I remember him. My, and and uh, Isn't he an agent now? Or? He's a manager and, right. and partner in a company called Three Arts. Right. That's right. I was with Three Arts. Yeah. And then uh, the Three Arts offices at that time were at the Director Guild's yes, building Yes. Weren't they so nice? They were nice. Yeah. And then below that was the Messina Baker yes, offices. Yes, I remember! And my ex-husband, who started out uh, as a dishwasher at the Improv in San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, started managing a couple of improvs, mm-hmm. and uh, he w- then parlayed that into working as a, a small, uh, co not a producer producer, like a segment producer on the old Dennis Miller show. Right. Uh, we when he was dating. normal. Yes. We moved in. He, uh, the Dennis Miller show folds. Right. My, now I'm living with a guy who has no job. And you're the breadwinner. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, 
uh, he got a job then at Messina Baker. Mm-hmm. He's a very smart guy, my yes. ex-husband. Very smart guy. And then uh, I was hanging out with my manager, Michael Rotenberg, and mm-hmm. he said, uh, I'm looking for a new assistant. I called up my then-boyfriend and said... Uh, you need to call Michael Rotenberg right, right now. Michael Rotenberg hires him. Right. We're living together, working all the time, and did did a good chunk, I would say, of 10 years of 35 weeks a year on the road. Did and he come with you? No, because he was working. Right, right, right. And then he worked as Michael Rotenberg's assistant, mm-hmm. and he came home one day and he said, you know, a weird thing happened at the office today. Mm-hmm. No one gives a shit, but people in show business right. would find this fascinating. Right. And he said, they were asking any of the assistants if they wanted to go to New York and start the New York York office in a right. very small way. And I said, did anyone raise their hands? And he said, no. And I said, tomorrow you go and you fucking raise your hand. Right. Because if you go to New York and it's a success, no one will ever remember that you're an right. assistant. And that's exactly what happened. And that's how I moved to New York. Fabletic. So, all right. Cause I've gone, you know how I'd like to work out and I, I have my staple of workout clothes. You also look good in workout clothes. Like, you could wear that on a... Like, no, you're one I, of those people that... No, I'm not. Well, I enjoy the athletic look. Right, because you're out of your mind. Right. Um, and I'm a lesbian. And it's also... That's right. And <laughs> you know what I can't stand? The ones that walk around with the athletic clothes and holding their yoga mat. You know, on the Upper West... Whatever. So, um... <laughs> Kill me now. Whatever. I, I just, I can't stand when people are like walking around with their yoga mats like, oh, I just did yoga yeah. and you're a loser. And, but I, I used to work out in t-shirts and then I, even when I was like running long distances, but I used to get like little, you know, my skin would like tear. Rash. Or, yeah, rashy. Yeah. And then your nipples get, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I did invest in some workout clothes. And it's they're expensive, really right? expensive. So I'll wear it like twice. I don't care if it smells. And then I have to like hand wash it. Right. So then I go on this Fabletics thing. And they're so good. The, they're so reasonably priced. And they're really cool looking. Like I would wear the Fabletics thing. Like if I was working out and then I had to go out to lunch, mm-hmm. I could wear a Fabletics thing. But I would not be carrying my yoga mat. I love it because they have... An entire outfit for you, an entire athletic wear outfit. I mean, to me, you could wear it out, but it's definitely good for your workout. I hate, I mean, I'm, I'm ridiculous when it comes to picking out any kind of clothes at all. They do it all for you. It's like they could basically send you a hanger and there's, you know, your Under Armour, there's your shorts, there's your shirt, right. boom. And you can get one for just 25 bucks with free shipping um, as a, as a new VIP have... member exclusive on a, on Fabletics and on their um, FL2. Fabletics! Yeah. And, uh, I wish they had a theme song. Hey, welcome to Fabletics! Yeah! No, but the stuff is really uh-huh. good. There's stuff, really good stuff for guys, too, because I yeah, got some the, stuff for Ben. That's the FL2. Uh, new exclusive styles and outfits. Uh, it's really quick and easy, super simple, especially, you know, for us New Yorkers, just boom, boom, boom. Um, you can shop by outfits or separates. You can get it a la carte, if you will. And uh, it's co-founded, um, designed, and inspired by Kate Hudson. I know. Definitely go to fabletics.com slash Judy. Oh, it's Judy. Mm-hmm. J-U-D-Y. Fabletics.com slash Judy. And you'll get 25 bucks off for becoming a VIP member, getting one of these sets that are usually 50 to 60 bucks. You'll get it for $25. It's so good. Yeah, check it out. If you're into working out, if you're an active person, live an active lifestyle, or you can't. Okay, now you sound like a commercial. 
Oh, well, I mean, all right. No, if you work out, I work out, and you look like a slob because you're wearing some old T-shirt from a comedy club you worked at 30 years ago, <laughs> just go on this website. It's reasonable. And you don't have to go into a store and everyone's, like, all buff and, like, hey, can I help you? Because you can actually order it online. It's really cool. Yeah. You change the course of his life. Yeah, I think strippers actually should uh, consult at the White House. Right. You know, because you know the game. I you know, know, right? <laughs> yeah. You say, if you do this and this and this and this, right. this motherfucker bet, over here, don't uh, trust look, him. I <laughs> bet Donald Trump would love to have a bunch of strippers consulting for his fucking campaign. All right, right so... Right. Or to marry. Right, so... Um, so all right, so now he starts Three Arts. In he started the New York office of Three what, Arts. What year is this? This is probably ninety four. Mm-hmm. Ninety four. This is when I was in L.A. Right, uh, and you came here. I came here, yeah. And uh, and became. I feel like I wasn't funny. Uh, I felt like I did okay, but I truly found my voice as a comedian in New York. I think that that's a pretty uh, story that everyone can probably yeah. say. Yeah. So, and I started here, and I think it was. Yeah, New York is. You got. You have smart people right. who can detect bullshit. Oh, immediately. That is the thing. They don't want bullshit. Because I remember when I first started working in New York, and I'd be like, hi, my name is Felicia Michaels. Mm, right. And they were like, what the fuck is yeah. this? And I was like, oh, oh, I got to really be real now. Right, 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 and then right. And that's when the comedy really started for me. When did he start, you know, being your manager was it when you moved to well, New York? It was or? when I moved to New York because it had you know uh, although I was already at Three Arts you know like uh, you, uh, I was away from my manager you know what I mean and and that was a time before you had to go to L A to get a manager. Oh my God! And that yes, and fly back a, and forth back and, and forth. And so. remember the planes were so empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could yeah. have like an entire five I know, seats. It was a crazy yeah. time. Yeah. So it kind of just happened uh, organically that then he soon started to uh, take uh, manage me, and that was out at the time of alternative comedy movement, and and which was a difficult time for me. Yeah, I know. I don't know for you, but at that time because I had. Everybody that was coming up in the alternative scene were my exact age, but right, because same. I had started so much earlier than everybody, I was lumped in with the old guys. Right. Yeah. The other thing about the alternative comedy, it was like it, it, there was I had mixed feelings about it. it. It, you know, I remember when I did my HBO special that see, the, I've never had a special. I would oh, I would trade honey. I would trade my all my development deals and Star Search to have had an HBO special. Oh. I would trade it all. That was one of the highlights of I'm my life. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um and I remember the night I did I did it the same night as Janine. You know, they'd put two comics uh-huh. up. But that whole uh that whole taping at the Fillmore, it was Jonathan Katz and Mark Marin and you know, it was this alternative. I remember Janine went up with notes. You know, she right, went up with, and I right. thought, if I ever went up with a piece of paper, right, people would be like, "Who the fuck do you? You know Remember what? Aren't you prepared to get? Did you get? I got really angry. I got at that was time. like, wait, so now I'm. It's like you work so hard, and you're now the uncool kid in high school. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. And now you're like just a hack. And I wasn't a hack. Yeah. But I always felt like they were so too, you know, too cool for school, and I'm like, what? Wait, so now right. jokes aren't funny yeah. anymore? And that was a big problem within my relationship, too, right. because he he was all up. 
business wise right representing these representing people. these people and making four hundred dollars a week in New York while right. I was humping the road making right. two grand a week right. paying for our lifestyle right, basically right, right. and then to he was so ingrained uh, in all that that it became kind of a problem in our relationship. Right. And he'd be like, Janine is a god. Like, he really bought into all that. And and where I was like, Janine can't work all over the country. She can right. work four cities and get right. a laugh. Like, you know what I mean? And and by the way, I admired Janine. Oh, I love Janine. Love her. Love her. What She's she so smart. to yeah. it and the balls she had in a right. different way, uh, I, I absolutely... And she had such a fuck you attitude, yeah. which was so yeah. refreshing. yeah. And yeah, and absolutely. I, you know, I was coming from this. I got to be great. I got to. It has to be good material. You know, it was right. just. I was such a nerd. Like yeah. I felt like such a nerd. And they were so. They were like. I was like. Oh my god. It's so easy it was for them. Terrible for yeah. people that weren't within that circle. Right. Because I remember Uncabaret. Right. And I was really close with Judy Toll, uh-huh. and uh, she used to do Uncabaret. I used to always stay with her in L.A. and and. Uh, uh, I was like, they won't put me on on. I tell stories. Why can't right. I get on on cabaret? Yeah, but I get a laugh every seventh beat. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was like getting yeah. a laugh was like a curse. Right, right. Um, and I remember before the HBO specials, they would come see you at the Improv. They would come to see your set at a comedy club. Yeah. And I was like, well, they still have to get a laugh in a comedy club in order to get on. You know, it was just it was a it was very a weird time. So. You, your relationship starts to... That's, it started to deteriorate, deteriorate because I was just telling someone this story. Because at the end, when he came to New York, he signed everybody. Mark Marin, Louis C.K., oh, I remember. Todd Berry. Yeah. I mean, he had everybody, which were at that time were just scrambling around, right. you know? And uh, I remember I used to have this joke about... Having sex in the butt, right? It was some stupid ass right. joke, and no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and, that is very funny. And it was Felicia. a joke I do on the road when the checks would drop, you right? Know? And and uh, and he, and I remember one time he said to me, "Yeah, you you shouldn't do that joke in New York." And I'm like, "Yeah, no shit, I just do it on the road." Uh, but very dismissive of my of my comedy. And then we went to go see Louie, and Louie had a joke verbatim of that joke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, parallel thought, that, right. obviously. And uh, and him like, God, he's a genius! And I'd be right. like, are you fucking kidding right, me? Like, right, you right. tell me not to do that joke, right. but then that guy's a genius because right. he does, you know what I mean? And obviously, I love Louie, and, and oh, uh, yeah. Louie is a genius, you he know is. what I mean? But but that, it was very soul-defeating right. as a woman in comedy because right. you and were it's held a repeat. at a, at a different standard. Uh, you know, of the Bill Hicks thing. You know, that he's allowed to do a joke. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. And by the way, for the listeners, the check spot is the worst fucking spot. But when you're headlining, they drop the checks about 20 minutes before your Done. set is over. Yeah. And to keep the attention of the audience, it's torture. So yeah, well, really, because you have to keep the attention of the audience, but allow them to have to, the luxury to, to get you their know, wallet out of the purse. And, you, know, you know, and also if they're Jews, it's like I, I you know what, I owe fifteen dollars and seventy. <laughs> I did not have the wings. Right. So, um, <laughs> so your marriage, uh, you adopt two children. We adopted two children. I am the luckiest uh, woman. I know, they're so cute. They are. And the best thing about when you're divorced and when you have adopted children is they don't look like the ex. Right. I know, I <laughs> love that. They don't look that. like the ex. <laughs> so, uh, 
you did he want to have kids? I know that you always wanted to have kids. Well, which uh, is fascinating to me because you took care of your mother and so many people who right. had, you know took care of people yeah. never want to have kids. But go yeah. ahead. I, uh, you know, when we were engaged, I said to him, uh, "I want you to know." I knew when, since I was a little girl that I would want to adopt a child. I'm up for having a child, mm-hmm. but I want you to know because I think it's a deal breaker if you're never going right. to do that. And he would be like, you're blackmailing me. To, and, 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 right. and be like, no, I'm just letting you know what's up. Right. And then we lived in New York and I was on the road like 30, 35 weeks a year. And because I was gone so much that it, I had a hard time getting pregnant, right. you know? And then we, we tried for a year and then I did that whole take your temperature right right you know and then and then i just remember one time like it's time get on me and he'd be like what the and i just thought you know i don't want to get pregnant in the way that i remember the night i got pregnant i was like get on me right 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 so i said why don't we just uh, start the adoption process and then you know and 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 was he into it he was he started to get into it and obviously uh, was into it and later he told me that he only agreed to the ad- adoption when we were engaged and when I had told him uh, that I wanted to do this initially or w- that we weren't going to be a match that he thought he would get me pregnant and that I would lose that right yeah but uh, then we adopted and it was did you have a big wedding we did well wow. not a huge wedding but it was in Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. See, Lauren is from Hawaii, who's oh, not yeah, here. Lauren, yeah. who's puking. Yeah. Um, so you adopt these kids. When you adopt it, how, how many years apart are they? Well, we got very, they are 17 months apart. Right. So they're Irish got, twins. Eh, not yeah. really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they have the same birth mother. That's awesome. And uh, what happens nowadays, if you adopt one child and we got them, you know, they still had the, the stink of pussy on them. That's right. how fresh they were. Right. Uh, sorry, I said the P word. Uh, but, oh, pl- uh, fucking Donald Trump said it. Go yeah, ahead. There, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's he open can now. Say it. It's open, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, nowadays, if you adopt one child and should the birth mother uh, find herself in the uh, position where she's going to adopt out another child, they try to keep the children together. Right. And so when my son was about a year old, uh, the uh, uh, they called and said she is uh, pregnant again. is going to adopt out again. And would you be interested? And it was like, yeah. So when you your first child, what his name is Cash? No. Uh, okay, cut that out. So your first child, uh-huh. you hold him. Uh-huh. It's two boys, right? Two boys, right. yeah. You hold him uh-huh. for the first time. Yeah, we didn't know. We It got a little weird uh, because when we flew, they were born in Florida. And when we went to go, uh, we had met the birth mother. Mm-hmm. We went to Florida. And we had to come. We had all the baby shit. You know? Right, right, right. You had to carry everything right, with right, you, right, right. And we were on the flight to Florida, and mm-hmm. the stewardess is like, what's up? You have yeah. this baby. No baby. We're on our way to adopt. Mm, right. And then there was a big problem, which is my son's personal history mm-hmm. with the adoption. And then we didn't know if we were going to get him. And Ugh. we had to come back. Same stewardesses or flight attendants. No, and they and, and we were with the baby stuff now empty again. Right. and they were couldn't even look us in the eye. They were like, "Oh, something went down." Yeah, <laughs> or they were probably like, "Are they mentally ill that they think they have a baby?" Yeah, right? Pretty, pretty These awkward. people are. So, yeah. um, but then we uh, found out two weeks later. So then we went back. So you went back. Yeah. Did you hold this baby? Uh huh. 
and which is the most amazing feeling, as you know. Yeah. Did your husband then think, "Oh my God, th- I'm so glad we adopted"? Of like, course. Oh, all right, of good. Of course. You know, uh, when you go through, when you adopt, that's like uh, mental labor. Mm-hmm. You're not having physical labor. You're right. having emotional and mental right. labor. Oh, of course, he loves those boys. And, right. And I'm uh, extremely fortunate to have him as an ex-husband. Right. Yeah, it takes very. Well, good my care. Son, my ex had had my my mm-hmm. um older son Henry right. and I adopted him. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's a different kind of right. but you know I have a bio child and I have an adopted uh-huh. child and there there's no difference. Th- no fucking yeah. difference yeah. at all. Yeah. No difference at all. Yeah. All right. So um you're how old were the kids when the relation when you guys They were I would say in 3rd and 4th grade. Right. Yeah. 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 That's about wait. Henry was so like eight and nine. Yeah. yeah. So Henry was about eight, yeah. and Ben was three. Yeah. Or two and a half, eight and seven and a yeah. half. Yeah. Um, you get to, was it an acrimonious divorce or it was in the beginning a very uh, was fine. Right. And then he started dating my well, a close friend of mine, and she. Wait. Uh, yeah. You didn't know that. No. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh... What? Yeah. yeah. I hope you're not friends with her. No, she's still my best friend. No, I'm not fucking friends with her. <laughs> no. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that's yeah, double yeah. piss off. Yeah, yeah. She was a very that's... close friend of, of both of ours. And uh, they started dating. And she, Do you she... think they were dating before? I don't think that. Right. I honestly don't think that. Do you think they were emotionally... I think she had a huge crush on him for two years before that. And I, was still I, your friend? And was still my friend. She was married at the time and was still my friend. Oh, and, my uh, God. Yeah. And it was always... Uh, uh, our strife came be- and it was always her. Right. And, you know, and uh, it was difficult because she became crazy. You know, when mm-hmm. people I, I'm I'm so talking out of my ass. But to me, when you have a friend and they go crazy, like in this kind of situation, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's uh, they do it out of guilt or they just lose their shit. I right. don't know. But she became very uh, angry and very. And then that's when it got really got kind of bad for a lot a long time and now it's better between him and I. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's written we are totally fine now. But but do she's you not, hate, I, do you have feelings for her? Are you did not forgive her? Please tell me you didn't forgive her. You know her. what? I didn't forget her because uh, forgive her because uh her behavior became like she was always very obsessive compulsive right. and she would literally email me and text me like sometimes 20 times a day telling me what a shitty mom I was. Fuck her. And this is I you know and Does by the way Does she have kids? They have a child now, beautiful right. girl, beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. And uh it's an interesting thing to go through something like this because a it's very similar to what in some ways what my mother went through right. because my dad married the second German lady right. my mother's childhood friend. No fucking way! Isn't that crazy? Isn't oh that my crazy? god, that is mental. And I remember saying to my husband at the time when I found out they were dating I remember saying, you just don't even understand what you're putting on the boys. You don't right. even understand how weird it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a, I think it's a normal thing that people do. Wait, so you have to talk to her. He's with her. He's with her. Well, do you have to talk to her? I don't because her uh, behavior became so extreme and with these emails that I had to get a lawyer and we had and she's not by court order allowed to communicate with me. 
but listen to this last week I get mm-hmm. an email mm-hmm. and because uh, she's not allowed to communicate right. with me and now what she I'll does fucking kick her out. is yeah. uh, she will email me from his account pretending to be him um, and then so when I got the email I text him like hey she's emailing me pretending right. to be you and then he honestly gets embarrassed by it and so he and he can't control it so he texts back you can't prove that to her right what? And, and what then, the f- then I have to defend myself, and I'm right. like, "Yeah, I can," because you never end an email with. And lastly, I'm entirely flabbergasted. And then he goes, <laughs> "Fuck you, bitch!" And I'm like, "Now see, that's you." Right, right. Oh, that's a joke for my act. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Kind of true, kind of All right, but wait. So, isn't he embarrassed by her? I can't say that. I look, you know. I'm a comedian. What? Through and through. Yeah. I'm a comedian through and through. I'm not the girl that you need to put in charge to run the fundraiser at the school right. or that your office is having. Right. I'm not the list maker. I'm not right. that girl. And she is. And I think for him, that's... That's what that's he needs. That's what he needs. So I say, God bless him. I was never angry I know, but if that like, they were together because I wasn't in love with my husband anymore. Right. And we hadn't had sex in like the last five years of our marriage, you know? Wow. Know, five, five years. years. Yeah. The bananas weren't safe at my Do house. Do you think that? I'd walk by that fruit bowl like, Cucumbers are I'm better. I'm about to fuck that Chiquito. Yeah, bitches. <laughs> I like them green. So... What about um, was? Do you think he was fooling around? I mean, I don't, guys, I don't think so. I honestly, guys cannot not have sex for five you know years. I think not everyone is motivated by sex. What? That's a reality. Right. A lot of people, most people are, but some people are not. It's a different thing. And I, I wish, I, with all my heart, I honestly say I wish them good luck. I feel sometimes, obviously, bad for my children that they have to endure her obsessiveness right because How, do they see her, her a lot yeah of course we have a normal like fam- familial 50/50? divorce you know uh, i have about 80 percent of the time he, right. he by the way is one of the biggest comedy managers in the business now and and producer and producer uh, yes and i w- i am so lucky that my children get to experience comedy from my point of view right. and also from his point of but view. But also and he's you a good father and he's you a good father. see comedy from two now you really have a hands on of what a manager does. Oh yeah. You see both sides of being the talent and being the oh, representative. Absolutely. It's such a tremendous gift to have that because most comedians never get to see that right. the other side of the business. So do you or, think that Rick like loves you more now because you do you think you're more understanding of of, you know, your manager's I, you know what I mean? Here's the thing. Like, one of my closest friends is Jeff Singer. And Jeff mm-hmm. Singer... Oh, uh, I love Jeff. Jeff is awesome. Yeah. He's like one of my best friends. He has a big forehead. Go. And, uh, he does. Mm-hmm. He, he has a five head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he is uh, one of the bookers that books young comedians uh, at Montreal. Rest, He's, yes. He, you know, books a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, I tell people this all the time. Because of my experience that my husband was a manager, you understand why you're... You're not getting picked. It has right. nothing to, to do, do that with, you can have any control over. Right. So it, it can't And it hurt doesn't have to do with yeah. how funny you are. has nothing to do with that. Right. And and also, I don't, you know, beg my friend Jeff, give me a showcase for Montreal right. this year. I don't do that because I have a great friendship with him. I know he booked me, gave me, because I stopped doing comedy for 
for nine Yes, years. we're getting that to that. Right? Shut the fuck up. All yeah. Right. Okay. Now go. Keep oh, going. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he gave me one of my first TV jobs for right. a thing that I was specifically right for. Right. You know, I'll never get Montreal, but that I right. don't care. Right. But, so for me, and I tell young comics this all the time. Like, it's such a blessing to see the business end of it because right. you take yourself out of the personal hurt. Right. Yeah. Right. Because it's not about you and they're not it's thinking not about, about you. you. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So you have these beautiful children uh-huh. and you give up stand up. I gave up stand up when my second son came because it just got too hard. And right. also when you have children, and I don't know if this happened for you, when you're a stand up, you have to embrace all the ugliness in the world mm-hmm. to be able to talk about it. all the uncomfortable shit we all right. think and no one wants to say you're right. that person you right. want you hope bad shit happens right 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 because you want to write jokes about right. it right when you become a mother whether it's an adopted mother or you squirted that baby out yourself you only want to see the beauty in the world right because you have this baby you, you have want, a whole different you want um, the world to be this wonderful place that your child is in all right obviously you're not jewish but <laughs> I do. I you do become softer. Yes, you definitely yes. become softer, and you realize it's not all about. You. That's the thing. It's right. not about you. Yeah. But you knew that. You had that really early in life. I had that really early in life. Right. But then it was also uh, he started to do well, and it's like I can't go on the road thirty five weeks. Right, a year right, right. With a partner who is uh, kicking ass at what he started to do really right. well, you know, and so I it was it had to be me All right. sitting in. It's gotta be me. <laughs> so you are a photographer. So you took classes at NYU, uh, new oh, school. Yeah. yeah and I you- always, and I'll uh, blame Louis C.K. on this uh, amongst others, but Louis was always a kind of guy that uh, was doing creative projects, making right. little films. All, you right. know, the amount of work he did before he became famous right. was tremendous. Right. And, uh, and he was very inspiring to me in that way. And I'd always kind of liked photography. My mother even had a little camera and I used mm. to always play with it, you know, before we were, uh, lost everything. But uh, so I went to, uh, did, uh, you know, film classes at NYU, made some short films and was really into the photography. And right. because I was on the road so much, uh, that there was no internet back in those right. days. It was very new in those days. No one really had uh, Wi-Fi oh God, the, that, I still have PTSD yes. from fucking being stranded somewhere and wanting to, like, kill myself. Yes, yeah, yes. Go. It was a terrible time to be traveling out and about as a woman or as anybody at that time. And so I, I had a lot of time, downtime, and I'd be in the middle of fucking Georgia and I'm like, you know what? I need to have a camera in my hand right. so I can keep myself entertained as I'm entertaining. Right. And, and that became kind of a big deal. I started photographing comedy uh, pretty early on. I have all the earliest of Marin and Louie right. and, and, uh, and I started to really do that heavily when the boys got a little bit older because uh, I had stopped doing comedy. I worked- Did you miss... Did you miss no. it? No. When uh, I left comedy, I was like drive, like emotionally driving in my car, flipping off the rearview mirror to comedy. Why? Like, fuck you, comedy. Oh, yeah, I, I was so angry because all the alternative scene, how much disrespect I was getting from my own husband yeah. without my skill. So I was like, fuck this. Fuck. I couldn't even You're, watch that's it. That's so great. I couldn't even watch it on TV. I couldn't even, when people, would, you know, Tracy Morgan, Deal Hughley, all these people would be at our house and be like, I don't want to fucking talk about comedy. Right. Comedy. Fuck comedy. I hate it. I never thought in a million years ever that I would go back to comedy. I That's so fascinating because I 
gave birth. First of all, I had Henry. Uh-huh. Um, I worked at Rosie, but I still did sets. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and I was like the mommy, you know, because Sharon was working and uh-huh. whatever. And then I have been, I was doing stand-up up until, I guess, a week before. I mean, I was oh, up wow. there. Wow. You know, doing these, oh, my God, uh, you know, I haven't got my period. I think I have to go to the doctor. You know, yeah, I was doing yeah, yeah, all yeah, these yeah. things. Yeah. And I'd be like, ah, I'd make believe I was going right. into labor <laughs> and I'd pour so water on the floor. I was just See, doing- I'm actually jealous that yeah. you got to make fun of those kind of right. things. So I didn't and I did that. the Aristocrats movie when I was. But anyway, so it, it's and I never stopped. I never stopped. And it's and so I thought about it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do my one-person show, and I'm not. But even when I was on a sitcom, like, all I wanted to do was go out and do stand-up. So I, and I, and I also wanted to be like, fuck you! Yeah, yeah. But I just, I don't know what it was that I, wow. but you were getting a creative, you know, buzz from your photography. From my photography and filmmaking. All so, um, so what, what? What made you go back? When I got divorced and things were very ugly within my divorce, I became pretty despondent. And uh, I was just looking, you know, at that time on the Internet, like, are other women going through this thing in particular? Like, How how long ago was this? This is about, this is probably eight years ago. And so I was just like, I think I need to express myself again right. because I had I was got really angry because uh, I got really angry you know and I was just like I gotta be able to talk about this and and uh, and you know also because he was such a big manager you know a lot of comedians everyone you know when you get divorced when you're in a situation where you're with someone who is so powerful dominating right 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 what's going on with them you know, it's a very natural thing that that the people who want to be in business are going to go with that person. Right, right, right. And right. I understood that, you know. Right, right, right. And, and so it's like I then was had no friends. You know, I had a right. couple mommy friends, right. but I had no comedy friends right. anymore. Like, because I was lucky where, when I left it, I still have my comedy friends. Right, right, right. You know, so I had, I felt so super alone. And I was like, I, ha- I think I have to get back into comedy. And it was more frightening the second time. Oh, I bet. A million miles in the first time. Because the second time coming, doing it the first time after almost nine years off. Right. Well, you understood the stakes. Yeah. The first time. So how was your first set? Fuck. How was your first set? Terrible. 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 I was so, ner- were, I was yeah, so nervous. But you realized. You know, because oh. I was so stripped of like right. all my self-esteem. I know. I had that too. I had a very bad clinical depression six years ago uh-huh. it was the i mean divorce i put my mother in a nursing home right. i was in debt it was uh it was like the perfect storm right and you go you th- and i remember thinking back thinking what did i do for all those years yeah you know what why am i in this situation after i've worked so fucking hard 
Yeah. You know, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's an incredible journey. Yeah. So yeah. here you are, you're doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. You're doing this one-person show. Right. Well, you're going to be doing this. And by the way, taking off all those years was a godsend. Right. I bet. And you were I, there with your kids. I could come back to it. And here's a weird thing. When you come, when you take that amount of time off from comedy right. and you come back to it, you're not the same person right. that did those jokes. Right. So I, I tried a couple of my old jokes. And they don't work. They don't right? work because right. you don't believe that anymore. Right, you're right, a different right. person now. You, um, before we wrap it up, okay. I really want to get your take on the fact that feminism has yeah. become uh, a dirty word. Well, no, I, that <laughs> a lot of people view feminism as look, uh, I can talk like a guy. I can talk about sex. I can do this. Uh, you know, this. There's no more double standard when it comes to sex and sexuality and right, gender, and I can right. look sexy. Yeah. Which I think, you know, as as a feminist, I feel like. I don't want to be like a guy, you know, like I, I want to be a woman right. and be empowered and powerful and not have to do it the way a guy does. Right. Um, but there, there are a lot of female comics now uh-huh. who are allowed to be sexy, like you were sexy, who are very feminine, like you were feminine when it wasn't in. Right. Do you have any sort of you know not resentment but this you know. go back to the Amy Schumer thing. <laughs> well it's like you No, we have Amy we have. Yeah, right. no, there's so many. So many there's beautiful, like beautiful Rachel. You know, yes. Yeah there's so yeah. many beautiful young yes. comics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're funny. Absolutely. Absolutely. But do you ever think back like wow you know, if I had been born now, you know, like. No, I try not to think in that way because I wouldn't have had the same chances. You know, the, it, you know, the reason I what Right. You know what I mean? Like it was a time of hot comedy. Stand up was hot. And yeah. Right. You know, and there wasn't a million people like right. me. I'm, if I was starting out now as a young woman, would I have been able to shine? I can't right, say that. Right, right, would, right, you know, right. It's like it's an unanswerable question. Has it, have any young comics come to you and said, I used to watch you or sometimes you know, I remember yeah. when I got back in and I was doing some open mic and because I, I understood I can't go back to the comedy store, the Laugh Factory right away. A, right. They've moved on. Right. And uh, uh, but also I understood from having started pretty much my career in L.A. that I got seen before I should have been seen. Yeah. You have to be prepared. Yeah. yeah it's better to do outside and then right. come to New York or it's a, right. You get your I C-lays. always say that. Yeah, I yeah, say yeah. that to my students. I say, because you know, one person will see you once. That's fucking that's it. it for them. Yeah, and that's yeah. all they think. But remember when we started yeah. that you were going to audition for something. You had a spot. You couldn't change it. It didn't matter if someone puked right before you went on or some right, guy was right. like shaming women. That was your chance. It yeah. wasn't like you could do a video and yeah. send it. It's, yeah. It was like a whole different. It was different, a whole different yeah. thing. So, uh, I, you know, I do have a real quick. Uh, the great Paul Mooney. Yes. I love Paul Mead. Yes. And one of the other stories uh, that I would like to share is that uh, 
and when I was first at the comedy store, I always got the eight o'clock spot because right. I was Felicia Michaels. Right. And Mitzi wanted to make sure I got a spot, but it was right. always eight o'clock spot right. with three people because right. everyone always kind of uh, lingered in or yeah. I mean slowly came in. So I said to Mitzi one night, "How come I always get the eight o'clock spot?" Hubris right. of being twenty three right. years old. Why well, I, I deserve better than just right. the eight o'clock spot, Mitzi? Right. right. And uh, so she didn't say anything. I'm sure rolled her eyes inside and out. And the next week, I get my spot. It's at 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Right. Guess who I go on after? Paul Mooney. No fucking way! <laughs> Paul, that is a curse of death! <laughs> and Paul Mooney... I'll, I'll show you, Felicia. I know. Paul, I yeah. know. And that's what she yeah, did. Yeah, I'm going to show you, Felicia. Paul Mooney is one of the most aggressive, I know. brilliant. He gives no shits. Right. He's Pryor's writer. Right. He's the guy. Wonderful comic. You know, like... So he goes on, and Paul doesn't care if you like him. Right, right, right. right. And he totally, you know, <laughs> ruins the crowd yeah. in yeah. the most delicious way right. that you can for Paul Mooney. And then he brings me up, and I am dying a death because right. I should only have the 8 o'clock right, spot. Right, right, right. And, like, the crowd hates me. Right. And and then I say, oh. I can't oh. even imagine you yeah. following Paul Mooney. It's so cool, especially yeah. at that time, right? Right. And Paul Mooney says the N-word a hundred million uh, yeah, yeah, times, yeah, yeah. right? And so I'm, I'm going at it for five minutes. I get nothing. And then I don't know why I said this because Paul was still in the room, right. you know? And I go, oh, Paul Mooney can get up here and say the yeah. N-word. And I said the N-word, you know, yeah. a million times. But I, a girl right. can't talk about my pussy. And the crowd was like, ooh, like literally right, right, like right. Sh- sh- shrunk back in their chair. Right, like, right. it's so gross that you said that. Right. And Paul Mooney laughed his ass right, off. Right, I bet. And uh, he was always kind of not cool to me. But after that moment, yeah. he, he, I was like totally okay for Paul yeah. Mooney. <laughs> yeah. Lyft is one of the best things that you ever brought into my life, can I just say? Because Uber, like, they do that surge pricing. So Lyft is like, if no one knows, it's like this, um, it's a car service, like and- Uber, but you they don't surge. So, like, like the other night, right, I was at the cellar downtown, and it was, you know, that's like a 30-something, it's like 20 Mm-hmm. 18 to 20 dollar which is what i make anyway but you you know if it's raining if the pope's in town it, i mean did you know that they did this other company that runs with mover um there was a terrorist attack in australia what about this because i told you there was oh. a terrorist attack in australia that's how i get my news yeah and uh people were trying to get out of the area, and Uber did a surge. That's I mean, on a terrorist attack. Well, I mean, Lyft has done free rides uh, yes. during during certain uh, things in campaigns while Uber is doing surge pricing right. in, in New York City. Anyway, I mean, okay, so I've tried Uber, and I know Uber first started out as like this zhuzhi, you know, if you want to take a black car somewhere and call Uber or whatever. Lyft started out as a carpool service, which is really cool. Right. Again, I love these companies. These you well, know, they you can you know what's great. People. Is that you can uh, you can do a share ride 
too. Yes, and uh, it's so much more money off than a regular ride. And they even have this option that it's like, oh, you've got, you know, if you want to wait 10 minutes, you can right. get an even bigger discount. So right. not only do you share a carpool ride on Lyft Line, but then you can choose an even cheaper option right. if you have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met some cool people on those Lyft Line rides. I've met some really cool Lyft drivers. I know. Actually. The drivers are really not. And I mean, God knows it's gotten us to places just on time. You actually missed um, an episode. Right. Okay. But... Had I been able to walk to the street, mm-hmm. I'd have gotten in a lift. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I'm so glad you're back doing oh, stand-up. I'm very happy to be back doing it. And that. you're living where? I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Do you um, love bringing the kids up there? Uh, to see comedy? or No, bringing the children up, like that they're growing up in... That their oh, home in is in L.A. You know, it has its uh, bonuses and it has its... Uh, Pluses and minuses. Minuses oh. as well, you know. They have um, a good life. I get pissed off a lot. Uh-huh. Um, really? And you... I know. <laughs> and you mentioned anger once uh-huh. during these right. past seven right. hours. And <laughs> I need to know, because yeah. we ask everyone this, what pisses you off the most? Oh, I can't tolerate a liar. I can't yeah. tolerate. Uh, growing up, my father, uh, my father used to tell tall tales. He would right. call them tall tales, right? And he would say things like, "When I was a young man in Stockton, California, Sally Field used to go to my high school." And like he would just make up these right. stories, Shit. yeah. And he would be like, "Yeah, but if I uh, calculate that, that would have been around the time she was filming The Flying Nun." <laughs> So I don't think, Dad, that she would have got off right. the surfboard or, or Gidget or right. whatever it was or and, you know, and would have gone up to Stockton, California to go to your high school. Right. You know what I mean? But my brother, who had a lot of emotional problems, because my dad is a natural storyteller, right. saw that my my dad would some kinds, sometimes, you know, tell outland right. stories and fib and how people loved him right, for right, because right. my dad's that guy. You right, know right, I mean? right. It's funny, you know. And, and my brother was a compulsive liar. Right. And so for me. God, I, I can't believe you I married can. a manager. I know. <laughs> Talk but, about uh, compulsive liars. <laughs> and you're in show business. And in show business. Yeah. But I can't tolerate a liar. I can't. To me, it's like, I will forgive a lot of shit. Right. And even if you lie, I will say, this is my one thing I can't tolerate. Right, right. And I'll give you three chances, but the, I can't tolerate a liar. So, like when, you know, the your close friend uh-huh. is having an affair with your right husband yeah was were you like i wasn't upset and i will tell you honestly i wasn't in love with my right husband right it didn't hurt in that way right it didn't feel but like weren't you betrayal. mad at her for fucking no, no. it because oh didn't my god you feel like not a, a betrayal jerk. right in that sense what felt like a betrayal was always her poor behavior oh okay and and why she, after that that okay. felt like why because i want to fucking kill her well, you, you know. know what? We all have our shit. Yeah. You know, my stepmother, I was always very angry 
This is why, too. I was always very angry with my mother. I'm going to tell you something I've never told anyone else before on uh, on air. Mm-hmm. I have Crohn's disease like my mother. No way. I have Crohn's disease, and I'm so very lucky that I have it in this day and age. Right, of course. I've never said that to anyone out loud. And I'm so fortunate. But when I went through my divorce, I got very sick with Crohn's. Right, right, right. And that and I was on a feeding tube and didn't mm-hmm. eat for four months to give my stomach bowel rest. I need that. And <laughs> and I uh, uh, probably lost thirty five pounds. Oh my than god! I, I was yes. It was like Auschwitz. I right. was literally like that. And my stepmother flew in. This is a woman that I fucking hated when I was a kid and I've repaired all the shit with my Mm -hmm. dad my stepmother flew in took care of my children before when I was going down under anesthesia she was at the end of my bed rubbing my feet I woke up to her rubbing my feet and taking care of my family for me and I tell my sons that all the time uh, you're always going to be around a difficult person when you grow up. It right. could be your child. It could be your wife. Right. It could be your. It could be your boss. Right. And I. Tell what if them, they're gay? It could be the boyfriend. Go. Exactly. <laughs> and I tell them all the time. I how how you are uncomfortable with your stepmother. I had that, and now she's my best friend. Right. And as I can say, I can't be around that person that married my husband because right. she has unrecognizable and unreasonable anger towards mm-hmm. me for I don't know what reason because right. I'm not mad at her. Right. She just has to stop. And by the way, I got so lucky because I had to do therapy with my kids and one day the therapist said to me, I'm not allowed to tell you this legally uh, about or to diagnose someone to you, but if I was you, I would go and Google narcissistic rage disorder. Right. And that unlocked everything. Right. So I tell my children because that's what she has. Right. I, I know I'm talking out of my ass, but after reading that, I'm like, yep. Yeah. But I tell my children all the time, she's she's not a terrible person. She has great ideas. She has a hard time with managing her emotions and anger. Right. And you have to be able to deal with that. And I hated my stepmother and now she is my greatest ally and you have to look at her that way too you're not going to maybe like what's going down or how to behave and in fact I never talked about my uh, or never said bad things about my ex-husband to right. my children. You can't because I grew up in that situation. Right, you can't. And you know, I'm not. And I right. learned my lesson. Right. And uh, so I, uh, one time after therapy, my son said, "I'm so mad at dad and his wife, and you know that he cheated." On, and it's like, no, 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 no. That never happened. It, I was never angry right. or hurt by that. I wasn't in love with your father, right. and your father wasn't in love with me anymore. It was always about the poor behavior for right. her and making that stop. And right. I feel bad that you have to deal with that, but you have to let all that shit go right. and learn how to let it roll off your back. God, you're yeah. such a good mom. No, I fuck up in other ways. <laughs> oh, I let them please. play as many video games as they want to play. Oh, please. I give Can them sugar all the time. Oh, you know? I do. Oh, I, do. I have a snack drawer. The kids who have, yeah. like, the parents who are like... Now gluten and, yeah, you know, all yeah. that shit. They always yeah. come over to my house to yeah. fucking eat Oreos and ring things. Um, we ask every guest this. Okay. Um, are you on any antidepressants? No. Have you ever been? No. Fuck! I knew it! <laughs> no. Oh, no. all right. No. And how are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? You're healthy? My or? health is f- 
fucking great. Good. I had Good. Uh, I got very sick uh, about three years mm-hmm. ago uh, because I had the uh, the Crohn's. I had always traveled with antibiotics right. because I also traveled to photograph all around the world as right. well. Except and Judy with, Gold. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna so photograph. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I had. Uh, not been feeling great, and I uh, that was the protocol. Like, if, if I'm on the road and the Crohn's started to attack, and I also understood then because my mother had so many surgeries, lapros- laparoscopic surgery yeah. was an, a year away when I f- got so sick during my right. divorce. So that's why I chose to be on a feeding tube to get mm-hmm. to kind of you know go to the extreme of that because I was wanted to wait till I got the lapar that the laparoscopic right, surgery, right? Right, could, right, right, what is more common, right? And and so I understood that I wanted to do that. And so the protocol was if I was on the road and I wasn't feeling well, that I could start, you know, with the doctor's permission, right. have the antibiotics. I wasn't feeling well. And I went on the antibiotics and uh, uh, started feeling better. And then it kind of went through this phase. I'm getting to a point here where when I would kind of wean off the antibiotics, I would get immediately sick again. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what happened was three months later, and I'd had uh, on my third CAT scan, I had, and it was some fancy dude in Beverly Hills. He came to me and he was like, can I validate the doctor? The actual right. doctor came. Can I validate your parking? And I was like, what the fuck is going right, on? Right, right, no right, doctor right. comes in and says that yeah, off right, the bat, right? Right. Turns out my appendix had burst and I'd been walking around it with it for three months. What? Can you fucking what believe the fuck that? Is that? I know. You know, more pe- people think, oh, it's automatic death, and for a lot of people, it is. But you, but a lot of people actually survive and walk around with a burst appendix. Wow. So what did they do? Than, so I. Uh, do you have to have they take it out, right? Well, because it had a because uh, it's all that poison in your right, system, so it disintegrated. So it really uh, uh, attacked it everything. Up. So then yeah. I had to go on these antibiotics uh, for to even get the infection down oh to my a manageable God. thing, and it and it made me photosensitive. I couldn't go out. In the, I got yeah. So you're not fucking, allowed. To, yeah, you can't go in the yeah, sun. Yeah, it was like if I was out in the sun for a minute, I would have to sit down. I would, right. it was like screwy. And, uh, and, but the, was a good thing because when they, uh, did it all laparoscopically, yeah, which was amazing that right. they could do that. And, uh, I have been 100% healthy since then because where the, where, where my problem was in my stomach was right by the appendix and wow. it kind of fed off of each other. And so they were able to fix that. And uh, three and years you've been healthy. I've been totally healthy for three years. Yeah, I know. Patrick, I know. fucking clap. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. That's right, motherfucker. How old are the kids now? They are fifteen and sixteen. Mm. Yeah, mine's yeah. fourteen and nineteen. All right, so yeah. you don't touch weird stuff you see on the wall, if you know what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, <laughs> and the socks are really hard for some reason. <laughs> I, know. I had to say to my son. This is weird because my housekeeper came up to me and she's like, I keep finding uh, his socks underneath the bed. And I was like, he is, what are you doing in my bed when right. I'm not home? And I'm like, dude, do what you got to do. Because I grew up right. with a mother who didn't shame about right. sex. But you got to clean that shit up. Right, <laughs> right. I mean? Oh, my God. I, Patrick, this was a pretty amazing. This was a great, a great interview. Thank you. Really? It was wow. great. Yes, this, the, the stories were Fucking phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
You're welcome. More to come. More to come. Um, I can't thank you enough for being on the... It was so great to talk you up. I haven't seen you in so I long. I know. And you're fucking fascinating. Oh, thank you. You too. You too. Oh, please. Please. Um, True, though. Uh I want to work with you on your one-person show. I want you to work with me on my um, one-person show. I want you to come back. I am going to come back. All right, good. And what else? Do we have anything else to say? Patrick. You're asking me? Yeah. You no. don't fucking nod. No one can see you nodding. No, I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my guest, Felicia Michaels, check her out. What do you want on Twitter? I am at Felicia Michaels on Twitter. F-E-L-I-C-I-A. Michaels, common spelling, and on Instagram. Yeah, follow oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah, you probably have good Instagram photos. Oh, sometimes I do. Sometimes. Right. You know, because when you're photographing and then when you're doing comedy, it's two right. different sides of your brain. Hello. So I go through periods I where I take I'm the just, worst photos. I bet you take awesome photos. Oh, please. I bet you do. Um, so look for Felicia yeah. at a comedy club near you. Comedy and, club. And uh, you'll be here in July. I'm going to be here in July. In New hopefully, York. to put on my uh, one, one person woman, show. My one woman, my one man woman show. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Judy. And thank, thank you all you. for listening. Thank and you. so long! And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.